Welcome back to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Thursday afternoon at 10 minutes past two o'clock. Although that's not really the time for Sadia right now, uh, who joins us uh, for our Thursday chinwag. Good morning to you, Sadia. You're, you're still good in London. Morning. I am indeed, and it's good morning and good afternoon in Hong Kong from, so, from me in London. Um, we're live this afternoon on Facebook as well, so for those of you who want to be viewers, join us there. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. So, Sadia, we've got uh, two bits of, of today's chinwag. We're, we're going to talk about the latest developments of COVID-19 uh, in Hong Kong and, and perhaps in, in the UK. But before we get to that, uh, let's recap a little bit, uh, just sort of piggyback on last week's which was about the royal family. What's the coverage been like uh, recently? Has it sort of um, died down a little bit? Well, it has. I mean, there was an awful lot of coverage last week, and we talked about that. And, um, and you know, it was all over the papers, and I'm sure people who were in WhatsApp groups and stuff were seeing funny memes. But I think it's reasonably, it's gone a bit quiet um, now. There are a few little headlines here and there. Um, one of the main headlines really was the fact that Prince Philip, I don't know whether you're aware, but he has been in hospital. He was in hospital for the last four weeks because he had some infection or something, as they were told. But then later he had some surgery linked to his heart. So he was released from hospital after about four weeks, just a, a couple of days ago. Um, and so I suppose in a way it's almost like everyone's willing that he will be okay because in the, within the next 90 days he's got a 100th birthday coming along which is pretty wow. significant yeah. <laughs> so uh so that's kind of thing but generally the news on the royals seems to have sort of died down i those are kind of looking at some of the headlines i was looking at some of the headlines too um in hong kong and things like that and one of the things the other thing that really i wanted to speak about today was the whole issue of sort of quarantine, which seems to be something that people are, are talking about. Um, and there, I know there's a couple of um, sort of petition, uh, there's a petition going around, which is actually asking people to perhaps change to the government to change the, the current quarantine as it stands, because at the moment people are expected to do like 21 days. Uh, of isolation once they come from high-risk countries, etc. Um, but generally, just coming into the Hong into Hong Kong is 21 days, um, and that was changed a couple of months, you know, in December, January. And um, so there has been a lot of concern about that. There's a few things where quarantine is concerned. Firstly, the duration as to whether that can go back to the 14 days. The second thing is also about, you know, the whole thing about quarantine and the fact that you know you may have children with you and the rules that apply to children and also the effect that that has on children because you know we can talk about that in a bit more detail um, and the third thing is is really just looking at the whole um, effect of say quarantine on individuals um, whether it's sort of physical or mental um, you know because it's you no know, it is basically solitary confinement you know for, for, for 21 days so I suppose we should we can start really by just looking at this whole thing about the duration. I mean, 
you know, it, it was 14 days. And I suppose at the time, a number of, you know, a, a number of months ago, when it was 14, people thought 14 was, oh my goodness, like that's quite a long time. But then suddenly it's been, it's gone up to 21. And I know, you know, when I've been, I've been reading an awful lot about, you know, how people feel about things and, and general um, views, etc. And there's a kind of, there's a sort of thing that comes through from people sometimes where they say that, well, you know, if you traveled abroad, that's your hard luck, basically. That if you traveled, you're going to have to take consequences and whether it's 21 days or 14 days you just have to suffer it I'm afraid and there's very little sympathy sometimes but I think we have to understand that we can't sort of have a judgmental view on this that people when they make a decision when they made the decision to travel um, during COVID and during a time when it is difficult I would say that you know good you know 90 I'm sure majority of people didn't honestly want to travel at that time but there are certain conditions, certain situations which make people, which have made people go. Maybe it's due to illness, maybe it's due to health, maybe it's to do with family or children, and it's been essential. And so they are all now facing um, a return, eventual return to Hong Kong, but with this quarantine in place, which is 21 days, which, you know, some of people may have spent 21 days in another country um, to, you know, take the regulations um, so you end up with almost like 42 days if you are traveling back um, so I you know the argument is is that people are actually now saying well you know why is it 21 days can we diminish that can we get it back to 14 because surely there isn't any scientific evidence to show that you know on during the third week of that quarantine you actually how many cases have there been where there have been positive and things so you know I just saw this in, in the news and obviously it's something that I am it's relevant to me at the moment because I'm facing 21 days too eventually when I get back if they don't change it so you know what do you think I mean like you know when they talk up when we talk about sort of solitary confinement okay you know if you're doing it in a prison you may not have access to social media and things like that but the fact is you are in a room alone with no contact physical contact or anything with anyone who anyone else apart from if you are with a family so you know how do you feel about spending 21 days in your room by yourself I don't know, given how busy my household is right now, I think I might welcome that. But um, <laughs> but uh, let, let me put on a regular person's head. I, I think, first of all, I'd see how it complies with um, overseas jurisdictions. I think if you're looking at examples from overseas like Australia or even on the mainland or, you know, in the UK, um, you know, other places are only doing 14 days. So, I mean, I, I'm not a health expert, so I, I can't say, you know, why, why is it that we've upped it to 21 days? But you sort of compare it with international standards and and you know some people might argue that you know the infection might not sort of may, may lay dormant until after 14 days then the argument the other argument of that is you know it can go up to 28 days so yeah I, I, I don't know it's it, it's quite tricky I, I think one thing that sort of came into the the news headlines is also um, America you know Washington has also um, uh, warned uh, against uh, well the, the, the US Department of Transportation says it, it might look to retaliate against Hong Hong Kong's quarantine rules um, because it really puts their pilots and, and, and their air crew at, at an unfair position if they have to quarantine for, for so many days. Um, so th that's also quite interesting. It's, quite, it's very difficult. That I mean, if you think just generally of with, when you think of airlines, um, then, you know, the whole thing of airlines, you know, 
just to get these planes moving and they've got a crew in there if the crew actually have to do like 21 days every time they stop or they you know it's it's just impossible to think of really because how do you practically do that i know that i know when i was traveling through british airways um people i did read that perhaps british airways were traveling with a crew of 16 so that you know that crew stayed on and then um, when you got to the end of the leg of the journey then one crew of eight stepped out and the other crew who was still in the plane who didn't step off the plane was still there but then they were doing a kind of double up so they were kind of go flying all the way back and then flying back to their destination but they didn't leave the plane so therefore they didn't have to do the quarantine or, or it was that, that that crew of 16 stayed on and then the ones who were working on the first leg didn't work on the next leg so it's quite a complicated thing and it's pretty exhausting i'm sure for everyone but i'm sure you know if that if these rules stay, then yes, other countries would retaliate if they're being affected. And, you know, I did read about Cathay and, and they did say that this is, they might be penalizing Hong Kong and, and China for those rules. Yeah. So it kind of opens up a whole kind of separate kettle of fish, really, when you think about it. But I think really the, the basic thing is, is what people probably want to know is that really, is there a clear scientific basis for it? That if you do find, I'm sure we would all agree that if, for instance, it took more than 14 days for something to surface and there was a risk to the community, then fair enough, you know, we would have to do that given the fact that there may be situations like that. I think they but started imposing this just after Christmas, I think just at the end of December. I'd like to, I'd like to know if there's any sort of anybody sort of tested positive after the 14 days yes, during the 21 day quarantine. I don't think I've but seen I any think figures there's been on a lot that. Yeah, there are. There haven't been any any sort of scientific basis. I think initially there may have been one case where somebody maybe got it just after 14 days, but there were very few and far between. But, but I mean, that's again, it's up to the government to be able to substantiate that. And I think maybe now there has been a lot of um, talk about this, and I think, you know, a little bit of pressure is there. And I think, you know, the government will obviously try and change those circumstances. The other thing that I really wanted to look at was, you know, when we think of those 21 days, even the 14 days in itself, when people are traveling with children, and you know, you are a mother of two children and, and they're toddlers, and, and you know, can I, I find it really hard to um, just put myself in that position where my children were that young and just how active they were. And, you know, generally when you do book a hotel room, you know, when you go and holiday you are in that hotel room for very short periods of time with children you come in you go out you put them to bed you give them a bath etc but if you were having uh, you know if you were in quarantine for 21 days with children how do you possibly cope with that I would say that like you know just trying to keep children distracted um, and also the whole aspect to work of, off that excess energy because oh, they'll get goodness, cabin fever the energy, yeah it, you would you would start to go mental. You really would. You would go crazy. The other thing is is that you know when you look at these quarantine um, Facebook pages and things, I've been looking at a lot of them, and people have put their reviews about hotels and and their stay, etc. And majority of hotels are quite small. They're not that big. And you know people may hire equipment and like treadmills and and you know you know whatever whatever sort of stepmasters and things like that. But the fact is that that is an additional cost to the hotel. 
hotel as well. That is, you, you pay for that. You pay for the hotel, you pay for these things. The other thing is, is that, you know, food has been, sometimes food is given in from a government, uh, from the government agency and that, you know, they, they can order their food, they can get food in, which is produced specifically for people who are in quarantine. And some of it is a bit sad. It makes me, I'm very, uh, you know what my thing is about food. And it is quite sad to see some of the things. But, you know, I would say that the whole children thing or even somebody who's vulnerable or somebody who's not mentally you know who feels a bit anxiety and things like that um you know it's really important for us to try and think of those things especially for that duration there have been also accounts from people who have said that after 21 days of confinement like that when they step out they've kind of given advice and said listen don't go on the mtr um think about what you're you know you want to get out there and start your normal life again but actually you've gone through a kind of a bit of a mill you've been there in solitary confinement you haven't moved very much and people are finding that when they come out of it um, they they're not able to walk for long distances because they've just not been doing it unless they've had exercise and probably just a bit overwhelmed like you know yeah. sense I don't know you know neurological speak I don't know you know going to the busy MTR and just surrounded by people it's yeah, quite suddenly anxiety inducing yeah exactly um, and, and when I was I was reading up actually and I was just checking to see exactly you know in terms of solitary confinement this is when obviously people are in prison um, you know but the kind of effects of soldier confinement is when you are in that situation, you know, you can get, you know, feelings of stress and anxiety and depression, um, you know, and just this lack of like just contact with humans. You don't even exchange you don't exchange any glances you don't okay you have social media but after a while when you switch that off you are really alone in this confined space so you know the effect of when you move out of it must be pretty um pretty daunting because you have got people around you and you are expected to just get back without any weaning to your normal life so I can see it quite sort of on a mental side I can see it's quite a challenge to do so so I suppose you know the appeals lately are just really to think about those things and 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 if there isn't any real need to have 21 days then okay people will accept 14 so I hope that you know changes are made because I, I would dread to think with people families lots of people are not coming back because uh, because they feel they can't put their children through that or mm. they can't put themselves through it so I think you know it's it's certainly worth considering and I do hope that um, you know the powers above do listen and and change some of these rules hopefully. They're, they're listening right now to Chinwag and, and the 123 show I'm sure. Uh, speaking of children and, and in confinement I think another bit of news that uh, I think Sadia you also uh, you're aware of is that and I think it's fair to say that the hospital authority did come out with a statement to, uh, talking about uh, restraining children to hospital beds. I think uh, earlier this week or over the week weekend, uh, there was an account where a mother shared her story where uh, both her and her husband had been tested negative, but her children had to require to uh, quarantine in the hospital. And uh, the two kids were one years old and five years old. Um, and I, I, I think in, in some cases where the story was reported, it's been sort of slightly misrepresented. Uh, the parents were given a choice to go with the children to the hospital. I think they were advised by the Department of Health not to. I think they were sort of under the impression or they were told that the children would be uh, very well looked after by specialized pediatric nurses and, and doctors 
And while that may be the case, I think it's come to light that uh, later on, uh, the five-year-old, for example, was put in placed in nappies and they were only sort of uh, given the three meals and required to feed themselves and not really had uh, any human contact. Um, and uh, to add to that, they were restrained uh, to the beds. Um, and I think that's caused a lot of sort of uh, international and, and local uh, uh, uproar, really. Um, but the hospital authority has, um, and I've looked at their statement, they've really stressed that, you know, prior knowledge of restraining uh, is is definitely, I mean, the parents were, were notified beforehand. Uh, again, I mean, we don't have the parents here, so we can't really say whether or not they were really notified. But I think it's the fact that the image of a one-year-old or a five-year-old being restrained to their beds. I mean, I think you, you sent me that story earlier this week. What, what, what were your feelings? Well, I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, anything where I think of children and I just think about the vulnerability of children and also, um, you know, the attachment that children have, obviously, to their parents. And at that age, at one to five, um, you know, they need their parents there. And I don't think, you know, you know your child. Everyone knows their own in child and how much they can do by can't but at the end of the day you know a child if suddenly a stranger comes in front of them it goes against everything that we tell children that you know you can't you know if you're with strangers or whatever and I think you know it's not it's very um it's very painful to hear that you know just the thought of a child being alone I think without their parents if they'd be lost they wouldn't really know what to do and I think think if they were restrained uh, it's because uh, they were posing a danger because they were posing a danger to themselves or others to themselves yeah but I but can't still, really imagine. I think restraining, you can't explain that to a child. You see, that's the problem that, you know, maybe even a mother could restrain. A mother could restrain a child if she was there and say, look, sweetheart, you know, we're just going to do this for a little while, whatever. But I think for anyone else to do that and, and fear is, that, you know, something, an experience like that. We all have um, little examples of experiences we've had in our past when we've been children and they stay in your mind. And, and so I hope that that doesn't have a kind of long-term detrimental effect on any children but but I think that's an area where it re- we really need to focus our attentions to make sure that children during quarantine or during hospital stays during that time where COVID is rife um, that you know extra help is given and there are sort of exemptions made for parents to be able to be with their children and for them to understand that they may be in situations where they do need their parents I mean for a short term for a small amount of time for a half an hour a quarter of an hour or something like that fair enough but for anything longer than that I would say that both parents and authorities would really have to look into that because yeah. that is that's too much I, I I don't want to even think about it it's just quite you know difficult to yeah. to think about well the last word goes to David who's joined in the conversation on Facebook uh, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 David says um, I comment following the discussion with two experts who have completed the 20 days and felt it was like being in a bad prison. The hotel service will vary, but both commented the type of service and facility uh, was bad. In one case, there was a bed, but no chair or table, and the food was very low class, being the same food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Really, the authority needs to be aware of the conditions. I'm also of the opinion that 21 days is not justified. UK is just 10 days. Well, meanwhile, Sadia, thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon for this week's Chinwag, and I look forward to uh, more Chinwags uh, with you uh, next week. Thank you very much indeed, Sadia. Take care. Thank you. See you later.